Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Roll podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never here. Yo, yo, what up? We got DJ D Miles. What up, what up? We have Jamie the Great. Yeah. And this is the special LA edition of the Roll podcast. We've invaded the Beat Source offices. We're here in LA and we have a special guest. I got a lot of history with this DJ. I have a long history. We came up in New York together. And uh, she's been in L.A. She's been doing a lot of big Hollywood things with a lot of celebrities. She's, you know, superstar DJ. You know, she's she's broken all barriers. She's like, she's <laughs> killed the game. She's taking but over. But I knew her. Are you Harriet Tubby? I, no, no. Tubby <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's killed the game. But I knew her when she was this young, sweet, innocent person in nightlife. And, you know, we came up in New York together, and I, I'm so happy I have her here. I've been wanting her on the podcast for a minute. We have DJ Kissing. Hey, yo. Kiss. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know you as Kiss. Did I meet you at PM? Yes. Oh, my God. See, she doesn't I even just, remember. Wait, wow. No, 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 no. See? Because... No, 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 because I just always associate you with scam artists, but oh my God, we go back further than scam artists. We go back further than scam artists. Yo, you just so, blew my mind. You know what you remember, see? Damn, see, see, he talks no, about no, it all the time. No, I do yeah, talk he's about like, it. Yo, I, knew I bring it up, I bring it up at least once wow. a week. <laughs> it was like, no. Is it, Crooked, like, you just You know blew, who you are on my phone. You know who you are on my phone. Jakissa. Jakissa Taylor. Wow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> she, he speaks to you. He speaks about you like you're LeBron. He's like, yo, I seen LeBron at the park before her, LeBron her was LeBron. That's she, so good. She yeah. remembers everything by her reaction. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. But like, for some reason, I'm just like scam. But like, no, we go back to PM. We That's go when back I've to stepped PM. Foot into nightlife. Period. Yeah, yeah. To explain Club PM, right? It was one of the first clubs in the meatpacking district in New York. Mm-hmm. There was Lotus. Um, and then there was like PM, there was Cielo. APT. APT. Um, and then PM was the first club with this, these promoters, Unique and Kiki. They were Haitian promoters. Mm-hmm. But they were and killing Dimitri. the game. And Dimitri. And they were killing the game. I was DJing at Pangea mm-hmm. for Unique and Kiki. I did like their first hip hop party at Pangea. They're like, we're opening the club. And I started doing PM. So it was like me on Saturdays. And it was MOS on Fridays. I, I remember. Mm-hmm. So I was there every Saturday, and there was a cocktail waitress that would come to me every time I DJed, <laughs> right? So we always talk about the arc of DJing. Like in New York, I'd go there, I'd get there at 10 o'clock, I'd set up my records, right? And I'd DJ from 10.30 to like 4, 5 a.m. sometimes. Marathons. This Marathon is on vinyl, set. right? This, this was on vinyl. Marathon sets. Yeah, carrying like three crates of records and a record bag. Yeah. And uh, and the way New York was, you played classics. So you played classics. You played, you know, from ten thirty to eleven thirty, or maybe midnight. And if the crowd was feeling it, you kept hitting them with classics. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm I'm talking like eighties R and B, seventies disco, everything, everything you name it. Patricia Russian, everything. And there was one cocktail waitress that would always come up to me, and say, "Do you have this song? Do you have this song?" <laughs> How come you never play? How come you guys play all the same R&B songs? You don't have this song. Yeah. And there was one song she used to come up to me, and I didn't believe her that I should get this song. And she said, "You don't have Centipede." 
Oh, and I said, <laughs> I did ask for centipede. <laughs> and I was like, centipede. She's like, you don't even know what centipede is. You didn't know what centipede was? <laughs> no, I didn't know. Before? No, no. Come on. Okay. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I'm trying to help you. I know. See, see, <laughs> see, she said exactly like that, too, at the DJ booth. I'm like, yo, she's talking to me real spicy, you know? And then she, so finally I bought it and I dropped it, you know? And she's like, oh, finally. So every time I saw her, I would play Centipede, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you had she had immaculate taste in music wow. amazing taste in music mm-hmm. so i think at one point she was talking to me and i you know this is probably around the year when i was about to move to vegas she came to me and she was like you know i'm going to start learning to dj i i, I think i want to start you know learning and i was like oh shit i was like i think you would be great you know i think we talked for a little bit yeah and then I don't remember what was happening. I think months went by and I was like probably about to leave New York. It was 2005, I think. And everyone, and I was going to come to Vegas. And I remember Unique and Kiki and Dimitri was like, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Vegas <laughs> is the worst place to go. New York is the epicenter of nightlife. You're making the biggest mistake. DJs were like, because I was actually finally killing it. I think yeah, I was, top tier. Yeah, I was like finally making a thousand dollars a night at PM, which is really hard to do in New York. Yeah. So like when you're making a G a night, it was like, yo, you you doing really good. Right. I remember, I think I was doing Ruby Falls. Mm-hmm. I think oh there was Lord. like a, there was a bidding war between Ruby Falls and PM on a Saturday. For you. Yeah. Who was the hockey the the GM who was like a hockey dude? Gordon. Gordon. So Gordon hated DJs. <laughs> hated. He, th- he, thought, he hated yeah. everybody. Yeah. He hated the waitresses too. Yeah. He thought <laughs> DJs were so replaceable. Yes, yeah. he did. So I asked for a raise. I think I was getting like 800 And I asked for $1,000. And he's like, who's paying you $1,000? I was like, Ruby Falls is paying me $1,000. He's like, go to Ruby Falls. Okay. <laughs> so I went to Ruby Falls. Three weeks, two weeks or three weeks later, they Maybe. said, we want you back. We'll give you 1000 And I got my 1000 And it was a good lineup. It was like MOS on Friday. And then... I'll, me on Saturdays, and I would talk to people like, how was Friday? Because I would be like, I want to know how MOS was doing. Right. Like, oh, he was dope. He played this. He played that. And I'm like, damn, man. Like, he killed it. So I got to kill it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, me and MOS would talk. And right before I came to Vegas, I was leaving. He was like, yeah, you know, uh, I started hanging out with Jaquissa. And I'm like, oh, yeah? And he's like. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm sure her like how to, you know, I was teaching her how to DJ and, you know, we kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, really? What? Tell me more. <laughs> and I was like, I knew she wanted to learn how to DJ. And I was like thinking in my head, I was going to say like, maybe I'll show you some shit. But I told him, I said, I didn't know if I wanted to show her how to DJ because what if she became bigger than me or something? I don't know if I can handle that shit. <laughs> right. Right. Damn. And I said, you, you should, you know, I was just like, yo, be careful, man. Cause she, we were, I was joking with him. I think I said something like, yo, she might blow up, you know? Mm. And he was like, yeah, you know, no, nah, no, nah, we, we good now. I'm like, and I thought it was, I think y'all dating maybe starting. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's perfect. I mean, she's like, you know, she's such a sweet person. She has great taste in music. Super cool. And I went to Vegas and I don't. And then from that on, I turned my back to New York. Right. But during that time in New York, I never heard the story of what was going on and how you started building and started becoming a DJ in New York. And all of a sudden, all I knew was that you signed to Scam and you were blowing up. And everyone I knew was Hayden. They they were like, "What the fuck is DJ Kiss? 
Where did this come from? What is it? How can we get rid of it? Yeah, you were killing the game. Because here's the thing: the number one of the number one DJs in New York that were like that was a woman DJ was Sky Nella, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. She was like that girl. That mm-hmm. girl. before there was that girl, she was that girl. Sky Nella was and the Beverly shit. Bev Bev Bond. Beverly, yeah, yeah, Beverly Bond. They were the they were that girl. They were yeah. Those Beverly girls. Bond was the shit. Yeah. She was the shit. Yeah. Sky Nella was like doing all of Fashion Week. She was the girl, and you you were a threat you, you like surpassed her to a certain point you were killing the game i don't think motherfuckers realize that you were one of the biggest women djs in the 2000s and you were killing the game but i i i was so happy when i saw you because i saw from the beginning right and then when when you joined scam i remember and i was just like oh shit like everyone was like yo where she came from I'm like no man there's like yeah. She's good. And she's and she's she knows her music. And Crooked always, always marveled at your taste in music. Yeah. Oh, like always. Because she would spin with MOS. Mm-hmm. And MOS is a party rocker. You know, so he's like a big room party rocker dude. So when I hear him, I'm like, he got the and he's focusing on energy. Yeah. But then when she would come in, she would be playing shit to like, oh man, I forgot about this song. And the vibe would change. So it went from like a raw dance, big room, kind of like aggressive, y'all motherfuckers are gonna dance energy to a real super sexy vibey. Like she was she was pushing vibes and and like like really good selection early, early on. Uh but and I and you always impressed DJing me. though. Yes. Because I wanted to play songs for people. Mm. There were songs that I loved that I I would either make a playlist for a girlfriend or I would annoy the shit out of my neighbors blasting songs, you know, and playing them over and over and over yeah. again. But I was always a music nerd. Like I have a picture of me at seven years old with an album that I asked for for Christmas. You know, like I've always been that girl to the point that when I started DJing, my parents wanted me to be a professional. I have a degree. You know, I started out at a PR firm and mm-hmm. I was working, doing well. But finally, when they really thought about it, they're like, you've always been a music lover. Like, you've always had music, like, coursing through your veins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they were like, yeah, this actually makes sense. I understand that we bought you your first album when you were seven years old. Like, you weren't asking for board games. You were asking for albums. Right. Like, you were a weird kid. (laughs) So so then it just became full circle. They actually came one time. um, They visited... New York, New York, because I'm from Louisiana, and they sat in the booth with me at Gold Bar. Mm. And so I'm playing songs that they played for me as a kid. I'm playing them now for this crowd, mm-hmm. and they're behind me, and they were like, oh, we get it. Right. Like, all of that shit influenced me. Now, I'm influencing other people with what you, you know, brought me up with. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, I, I want to hear a, 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 your story a little bit, but I also want to hear, like, what was the clicking point? Because you, you know, you're in nightlife. You're hearing all these DJs, and you're probably like hearing us play. You know, some of the same sets, and like it gets repetitive. And you're hearing like I could kind of do this because I know what what's missing. I know what the girls want, and you know, I think there was a point where too where like it, you know, obviously like it's a very male dominated industry with DJs, but whenever we heard like a woman DJ come up. We always knew, like, you know, that she was gonna have way better taste, and she's gonna she was gonna know how to read a room of women way better than men, 
And like that's where you guys have really the upper hand because you're going to get that sexy vibe. You're going to get the girls dancing, the girls singing. You know, that's what I always thought. They're like, yo, they got the upper hand. They they know exactly what women want. And a lot of the dudes, some of the dudes later, like in the 2000s, they were DJing too much for men. A hundred percent. You know, and yeah. then so like the girls would leave and then it would just become like a bunch of dudes and it'd be dope. Like Party over. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, though. There was a style that motherfuckers were playing where they would play the sample of a song and then mm-hmm. they played play the hip hop song. Mm-hmm. But then it became kind of repetitive, but it right. wasn't really. It was like listening to a mixtape, but it wasn't really danceable and shit. Right. But I want to know, like, when did it click when you were like, yo, like, I, I should start DJing? And then why? And then you hit up MOS to, to teach you. I wanted to like I wanted to hear a little bit more about this. Well, everything happened really organically. So I was doing bottle service at PM. I quit my PR job. I was just like, all right, I'm not making any money here. So I started doing bottle service at PM. And through the course of being a waitress, I just got trained to be a DJ Mm -hmm. because I hear music every single night. I see how DJs are putting it together. I would see that some nights, I'm not going to say the person's name, no, some say, nights, say I want to hear, but bleep it. You can bleep it, bleep it. We'll bleep it. I swear. I'm not saying it. <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell us later on. No, because it's it's shitty. Like you can't help it if you're a bad DJ. You just can't help it. I'm not gonna look. Um, but what I would say is that, like some nights, the the uh, party would end early. Like by two thirty, everybody's like, oh, like you know, and people are signing out checks. Nobody's buying stuff. But then some nights, like you were one of my favorites. When you were there, it would go until 4.30, and we were making more money. So just by virtue of wanting to make more money, I would prefer certain DJs. And I was like, what is so? I started paying attention. I'm like, why is the energy so different? Y'all are playing similar music. What is happening that some DJs are able to really captivate the crowd and take them on a journey and hold them hostage Mm. until 4.30? And then some DJs, just the crowd is like, all right, I'm going to go home to my cold slice of pizza. You know what I mean? Like, this shit is whack. And just through that, I always say in my life, like, God has been very, like, Mr. Miyagi for me. Because I'll be, you know, waxing on, waxing off. And then when it's time for the tournament, I'm killing it. So for me, I'm, he was trained. God, I'm very, you know, spiritual and religious. Mm -hmm. God was training me to be a great DJ because I was in a nightclub. Five nights a week, watching DJs, watching who killed it, watching why they killed it. And then I was able to kind of formulate, well, where do I fit in Mm. to this? Yeah. You know, and men, sometimes you guys get on this like tangent in your head that you want to play. But the crowd is like checked out. Right. Women are so (laughs) sensitive to that. We're so like we know when you're not paying attention just in a interpersonal relationship. So the energy is even magnified when it's a crowd and they're not with you. Mm -hmm. I feel a chill run through my spine. I'm like, okay, fix this shit, you know, and I'm going to fucking figure out what these people want. I just won't take no for an answer. I'm going to figure out what this crowd wants. Mm -hmm. And I came into it with that fucking energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you link, so you linked up with MOS, right? Oh, I'll tell you that story. So yeah, yeah he started because these motherfuckers joke with me yeah, all the time. Well, it's because when we had MOS on, <laughs> MOS confirmed that you had asked Crooked to teach to teach you how to DJ, but since he was kind of in transit of moving, he's like, nah, I don't have like basically I, well, I can't. Was so nice, he was so sweet. Like I wasn't meaning it, and like I'm gonna take your job, but I was just like, it was just something no, no. that had kind of. I joke all the time. I'm like, I, I tell motherfuckers like. 
Like, if you're going to teach a girl how to DJ, you have to be ready for her to be comfortable that she's going to blow up. And then y'all going to break up. Oh, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then you're going to see her. Blow, and then you're going to see her blow up. And then she's going to be with like a, a better looking dude with more money who's more <laughs> famous. <laughs> and everyone's, and then your boys are always going to look at you like, yo. You, you, you saw that, you, girl? That could have been you. You saw you, you <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so when we like, yo, when we Jakissa look good at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> so, yo, cut the TV on. <laughs> She's at the Oscars. Yeah, yo, she was at the Oscars and they'd be like, yo, Crook, how was San Diego? San Diego's cool? He was at the Oscars though. So we joke where Crooked comes and like, yo, what if you would have taught her how to DJ? It would have been yeah, crooked yeah. and kiss. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It would been crooked and kiss in here. Yeah, you see? And then and there you go. Yo, bro. that is so funny because what if you had shown me how to DJ? I what if you know, <laughs> the stars would have aligned, but, but crooked and kiss? If, if that would have happened, there would be no podcast. It's, a, it's okay. I don't know, man. <laughs> I would have been in, no, you been in the Oscars. No, you I it's been giving next, the butterfly no. effect right now. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been next to Obama. I would have yeah, been. You would have been. <laughs> I would have been Oprah. I would have had pictures with Oprah. But no, instead, you with me and Jamie. Yeah. yeah. So see, you it see, been with Kiss on the fucking Oscars. It wasn't meant to be. No, no, no. But I mean, yo, Jakissa is a beautiful. Like you're, you, you're gorgeous. Thank and then you. MOS was a good-looking, built, man. tall. Linebacker looking motherfucker back then. <laughs> he does look like right. He'll knock you out. Bro. That no, is I, a good looking man. Yeah, he's a good looking man. So I was like, when I heard when he told me, I was like, yo, that makes sense. Like, yo, that's a that's a power couple right there. Yeah, and it really was. <laughs> so wait, so it was so genuine though. We 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 weren't thinking of where we would be in fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just at the moment we were vibing. And we were primarily vibing, other than the physical, on our love of music. Our entire relationship right now to this day is built on our love of music. Mm-hmm. That's wow, the that's foundation beautiful. of our relationship is music, which is so insane. It's one. Of, it's our love language. So, you know, when I was, you know, I thought he was cute, obviously. So I bring him drinks and then I kind of was kind of sunning him like you. Yeah. <laughs> I was Jesus. like, you don't have this song. <laughs> You know, but it was Watch it was all, it was playful though. You know, I'm like, oh, you she, have this song. She wouldn't bring me drinks though. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I had to go to the bar, and I ended up dating one of the bartenders. Remember see, Marianne? Oh, oh yes! Oh my god! With the ta- with the tattoo on the yes, shoulder. Were you yes. dating a girl with a tattoo? Yes, she was like, <laughs> "You're a fan." You tell me, I would never do a huge tattoo on her shoulder. Yep. Yeah, wow. But uh, just yeah. Marianne. That's why I always went to the so, bar. So you went out with her just to get drinks while you was DJing. I don't know what you know what. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. There's something about a woman getting you drinks, mm-hmm. and then you, you're like, "Yo, she looking out for me." So like, you know, when the bartender, like, if you're busy, I'm. I don't know if this happened, but if you're busy and it's crazy, and then you happen to get MOS a drink during this craziness. I, that's some love so shit. That's some appreciation right, shit. Right, right. So She's taking time out of her busy shit. So like the bar, check. the bar would be crazy. I'd go to the bar, and you know I'm trying to be patient and wait. But you know there's a song about to end. So the bar, so Marianne at that time, she would just look look out for me, and she there'd be everyone screaming. She like she already knows what she I would drink. Stop. Yep. She would give me a heavier pour so I wouldn't have to come back Keep for two or three back. drinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, she looking out. Like, she got my back. But yeah, so, all right. So you were getting him drinks. I didn't get drinks. But he was, you were getting him drinks. <laughs> <laughs> you also didn't teach me to DJ. Yeah, no. yeah. you could have said yes. <laughs> but yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I would get him a drink, and after a while, after a couple of weeks of being like, oh, do you have this song? Oh, do you have this song? Um, and also, wait, let me go back. I loved what he was playing. He mm-hmm. would play samples of songs that I loved in the beginning of the right. night, and I was just like, oh, like he was talking to me mm-hmm. through the music. I was like, oh, I like him. Um, <laughs> um, so finally, this is how long ago it was, I burned him a disc, a CD of all the songs that he didn't have that I kept asking him mm. for. I was like, no, just take these, you know, because you'll... And he was like so impressed, like like kind of like the drinks at the bar. He was right. like, wow, she like took time out and made a CD of songs that I don't have to help me. But it's deep. Get- it's like personal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's deep. On a music level, like that's that's deep. That's like when you make a mixtape for something, you basically made him a mixtape. I basically yeah. made him That's mixtape. kind of like... Yeah. That's cute. Romance. That's like a... Yeah. That's like a Hallmark card. Yeah. yeah. For, okay. for do you, DJ? Do you remember what songs that you had on that CD? It has to be like a certain song you remember wait, wait, that wait, he didn't see. have. And you know it'd be crazy if MOS ha- still has that CD somewhere. Yeah. It's like in a drawer. That'll be the cover. Let me let me think about it <laughs> and I'm right. gonna try to remember. All right. But there were there were a couple of songs. Do you remember what year this was? Yeah, this was two thousand five. Cause I, I do feel like because you're from Louisiana, there's some R and B like cause yo, know, there's like the typical New York yes. classic yeah. that we mm-hmm. all gravitate mm-hmm. to. And you always brought in some some down south R and B that I was like, really? Does that hit? And I wasn't sure about it, right? Because you you know you was right, from Louisiana, course. right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, I feel like New York and L A very much have uh, they have a certain perspective of music, right? So your radio sounds this way in L A. The radio sounds this way mm-hmm. in Louisiana. Yeah. The radio sounds different. So I just came in with a different point of view. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. But, but, it, you know. but it was completely refreshing. It yeah. was dope. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. All right, so you and MOS are connecting. And then I just asked. <laughs> I'm like, yo, can you give me a DJ lesson? So I think he thought I was flirting, which I wasn't really flirting, but he was very cute. I wasn't really flirting. I was really mm-hmm. like, can you teach me to DJ? So he was like, So yeah. you, were, you were more business. You were like, yeah, I want to learn to DJ. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, yeah, of course. I wanted to DJ. Uh-huh. Um, but I did think he was cute. That definitely didn't hurt. So... And being from the South, I have manners, so I don't just go to people's houses empty-handed. So I get to his house for the DJ lesson, and I bring a bottle of vodka. Because, like, that's the polite thing to do. You're teaching me how to DJ. I'm not going to come show up empty-handed. So he sees me, the vodka, and he's like, oh, word? Yeah, yeah. Is that, that kind of party? party? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Let me put this mixed city on that you made. Yeah, but, like, come on, fellas, if... if if you if they bring a liquor, then we're like, okay, this is gonna go somewhere well, else. Well, we're we work in nightlife, <laughs> exactly. And I told him, you know what's the funny part? Life. She's like, this is probably his favorite vo- vodka, and that's when she brought it. This motherfucker was just like, what the hell? We oh, getting, it's on and popping. It's pop on and popping. Pop pop then put her mix CD on. I'm I'm picturing him teaching her how to DJ. And you guys remember Ghost when they were doing the clay, yeah. the pottery? Yeah, it was kind of like that, right? He was just kind of sure. A hundred percent, exactly. Like that. It was the black version of that. It was the black version. My God. And so he just started teaching me how to beat match, which just blew my mind at the time. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to learn how to do this. It was Mm -hmm. just so complicated to me. It was all vinyl? It was on vinyl. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I'm not going to be able to do this, you know. But 
you know, I stuck with it. He gave me a couple of more lessons and then I went to Scratch Academy. So he was teaching Ooh, me as well. Oh. Mm. I just took it seriously. I just, I didn't want it to be. And then we were dating. So then I was like, okay, I don't want it to be like, if we stop dating, you know, I'm not going to be a DJ. So I went to Scratch Academy and started taking it seriously. Took several courses um, and then just took it, you know, just start again. I started taking it seriously, and then I asked him if I could open for him. At PM? No. no not at PM. I opened for him at Stereo. Oh. Mm, okay. I would, I would, and actually, let me take that back. I wouldn't, oh, oh I would open for him at Air Lounge. At mm. Stereo, I would close for him. So when I would go to Stereo, and also the other thing about me is I loved, in addition to R&B, I loved, like, NWA. I love like really hard hip, hardcore hip hop. Right. So at stereo, I would come on after him and I would just be playing all this hardcore shit like that. Cause it's like a party at this point. I'm not like playing smooth grooves. So, and like some of the, um, I don't know, an old school rap group came up and, and was asking him in the booth, who is this? Like, she's going harder than you. Like she's playing way harder shit than you. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, yo, it's DJ kiss. But it was just this, it was just this phenomena where, <laughs> You know, I, I knew how to play different crowds. And that, I think, was just a result of being exposed to a bunch of different music and really genuinely from um, from childhood loving all different types of music. Because as you guys know, music wasn't segregated back in the day. Like, if you wanted to watch your Prince video, you had to watch the whole video show, right? So you would learn all the music. Mm. Just to, you, to see your song, you had to watch the whole show. You didn't know right. what point in the show your song would come on so you were exposed to a lot of different music and i just learned to love it all and then it just came in handy mm. so you started closing for him at stereo and, and at ste stereo and that was stereo a big was deal. a big club so like mm. at, at one point stereo was probably the number one club in new york and everyone was doing but it was like the new that was like the beginning of the new generation of nightclubs of like Stereo Tenjun, right? Yes. And it was like it was the like all the like PM started like phasing out. Lotus got phased out. And then there was this new breed of like the meatpacking district and all of these new club owners. Right. Oh, so so then you started closing for him and then what was your first gig? My first okay. My first club gig, believe it or not, because I had closed so many times at stereo. Mike Satsky hired me to do New mm. Year's Eve at Stereo. I don't think I'd ever done a full night there, or maybe a really. Wow! But he hired me to do because Masood was doing their. Um, Satsky and his partners were doing a New Year's Eve party somewhere else, but they also had their club open. Mm -hmm. So Satsky hired me to DJ his New Year's Eve party at Stereo, which is the biggest deal, you know, at the time. I was like, oh my god. Um, and yeah, that really kind of set it off for me. Shit. So then after that, where where were you DJing regularly? Like, what were the what were your residencies in New York? In New York, I mean, I've played everywhere in New York, but the early, early before yeah. I would say the um, Avenue and Marquee generation, I, I did do Marquee. I would do upstairs at Marquee. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know where else was my first um, residency that I got on my own, not affiliated with anyone, Star Lounge. Star Lounge. Do you remember Star? It was Star something in the Hamptons. It was a big club. That's where, like, if you remember, like, Lizzie. Grumman. Oh, that was on um, Conscious Point. Exactly. Originally Conscious Point, then it turned into um, Star Lounge, I guess. Star something. Yeah. I don't yes. think it was called Star Lounge there, but it was Star I know something. what you're talking about, yeah. So mm -hmm. it was the same owners. Yeah. 
they were opening up a spot in uh, Manhattan. Mm. And one of the waitresses that worked with me at PM was like, oh, they're opening up this new club. And I was like, oh, shit, I want to try to get a job there, DJing, you know. So I went to the club without an appointment, without calling anybody. I walked in like the club was under construction, like the floors weren't even down yet. But I like, you know, crawled to the back and there was somebody back there. And I was like, hi, I'm DJ Kiss. I would like to try to get a DJ night here. And they had me come back and audition. The club was not finished. Mm. I auditioned to an, uh, you know, in an unfinished club. I practiced my little audition at home. It's very eight mile. (laughs) (laughs) I practiced practiced my audition at home and I was playing like I was, what was I playing? I played something crazy. Like I played Daisy Lady during this set. Like it was just something crazy. Like it was, it was a mix of stuff. It's truly open format. But I remember that specific song that was in the set Mm -hmm. and I auditioned and they gave me the Friday residency at Star Lounge before it even opened. Like That's it was crazy. a brand new. So my I worked very hard, right? But mm-hmm. I was also very fortunate because not everyone's hard work gets met with the same results. And I'm, I understand that. And I'm super, 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 let me go on record and say very grateful. Yeah. Very lucky and very grateful. I did work hard, but also I was lucky. Because these different things, like getting the New Year's Eve job, going to this club before it even opened and getting a job, auditioning for these people, you know? I mean, it's always a combination of being ready and getting an opportunity, right? So some some of the opportunities come from luck. Some of them come from, you know, know, kind of being and being in in the scene and everything like that. But you really have to be ready. Right. And that's the thing about New York. If you're not ready, they're not gonna they're Mm-mm. not gonna hook you up. Mm-mm. For your first residencies, were you on vinyl or was this at the point where you had got on Serato? Serato. So okay. I learned how to DJ on vinyl, mm-hmm. but at, it was exactly at the point where everyone was just doing Serato. Yeah. But remember, you used to have to bring your own Serato box every night. Yeah. Yeah. The clubs didn't have it. You had to set your own Serato box right, at right. every at every. You had your Serato box with you. Yeah. 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 Wow. So then you remember? Did I remember that time. Yeah. So like, so while I was in Vegas, killing it. Well, yeah, <laughs> murdering it. I was grinding, and then you were, you were in New York building this. So by what this is like, maybe around two thousand seven, you started working more steadily. When did the Gold Bar open and all that? Do you remember Jamie? He mm-hmm. was the bartender manager. He opened Kane, and then he opened Gold Bar. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So I had a connection. I still had to prove myself, but I, you know, just wanted to try a night. And Gold Bar was. When you say open format, it's super open for they they it's actually not open format because they didn't want to hear anything new. You could only play classics the whole night and you had to get an entire club dancing for six hours, you right. know, that set us from ten to four only on classics. So that really stretched me and, and made me understand how to um, get a crowd on their feet without playing anything new. So once I had that skill, you know, I could play anywhere because like I like a lot of this is I'm jumping around, but a lot of opening DJs, um, a lot of DJs that opened for me rather, you know, they were just kind of like, who the fuck is this chick? And they would just play whatever they want. They didn't adhere to the rules. Right. When right. you're an opening DJ, you play opening shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because I was a woman, they didn't give a fuck. So they would try to burn me and play like, you know, the hot shit. I'm like, you're playing for the waitresses. Like nobody's even right. here yet. But go go off. <laughs> but I learned you can play whatever the fuck you want before I get on. I'm still going to smash it. You can play every hot song on the chart right now. As soon as I get on, I guarantee I'm going to smash it. I don't have to play any of that. But I learned that from Gold Bar, from having to do that for six hours, keeping people's interest with classes. That's right. Any other, any other city maybe besides Miami? 
you couldn't get that training, right? You couldn't no, get that where? six hour training. Absolutely. Six hours. I, I talk to West Coast DJs a lot and they always say like, whatever, you keep talking about these marathon sets. I'm like, no, when you do a six hour set, regularly open and yeah. close you know when you're stuck in a big room in a big nightclub and you don't know what to play you know your instincts come so like yes. whatever comes to mind you already have six hours 18 hours you have all this like from all these marathon sets you have so many little sets from every era it could be 80s r&b yep it could be new wave yep it could be old school 90s hip-hop so classic rock dance hall anything yeah. But because you've been doing these six-hour sets for like two years, three years, you have so many places to grab from to give you more time and buy you more time yep. to figure out what the crowd wants. Yep. And But they don't realize that shit. Like even right now, I wouldn't want to do a six-hour set. That shit no. is just too long right now. But that's what we started. But it's the best training. It's the best, it's the training. best training. Yeah. Also, you learn the vibe. You learn the vibe. You see the crowd come in and you feel the energy and you're like, all right, it's time to start, mm -hmm. you know, getting a little more crunk, you getting learn, a little right. more crunk. You learn crunk. your pace too, right? Right, you yeah. your pace. Like yeah. imagine if you're just doing the uh, main part of the night. Oh, like you don't even, you didn't even ease these people into anything. Right. You just got on and start playing hits. Like any asshole can do that. <laughs> it's just, it's just. You can get of, a yeah. fucking Spotify playlist and just play the hits. Right. Yeah. There's no like foreplay. There's no warming There's up. No foreplay. Maybe that's why I like it so yeah. much. Yeah. There was no foreplay. <laughs> but, it, but it's great because it's like, even when you're opening, there's songs that you test the crowd with. So if you, if you like, oh, wow, they responded to this. Let me go a little deeper. And then you can like early on, you already know what you're dealing with. Right. Yeah. And then any like if you're and if you got the crowd early, early on, whoever is walking in is following the lead of the energy of the crowd that you mm. already set up. That's it. Mm -hmm. So Thank by you. that point, by 1230, they got you and if you can actually you. go anywhere you want. And they trust you. Right. Yeah. And in New York, we had a thing where like we we've always talked about this. You, if we could go to 2 a.m. and not play any new bangers. Yeah, that that we already knew. Right. You know, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yes, about. Yes, exactly. Be like, wow, man, it's fucking, it's like a, it's one thirty. I haven't even played Nori nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jesus. I haven't hit him with the big guns yet. I haven't hit that. I just want to love you, Gen yeah. Z. I haven't yeah. played I, that yet. <laughs> I, I haven't played nothing. Wait, so you know? I dropped this PSA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, like yo, they go, they going off to like all this old shit. They're going off to like OPP. This is great. <laughs> you know, like, they, who's that chick, huh? He's singing a lot way to get on this Rockefeller train. But, yo, I mean, like, yo, exactly. It's the best training you could have. Yeah. And yeah. it was actually, I think it's during the best time. Because even now, if you if you were doing a six-hour set in New York, you wouldn't even be able to play all those classics. That's correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't be able to play all that new wave. You wouldn't even be able to play all that rock and roll that we had to we, yeah, we could play. Yeah, I mean, you had to play rock. You had yeah. to have a solid rock set back in the day. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? You had to. But now, like, a six-hour set in New York is, like, more, you know, like, vibey, R&B, Afro beats, maybe some, right, like... Right, right, right. You know, like, some 2000s. Like, right. 2000s would be the classics. Well, that's era. the classics now. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the classics. Like, wait, how old am I? Like, that's the classics. Like, right. shit. But that's why I always think, like, the 90s and 2000s in New York was the best time because you yes. were playing David Bowie into, like, Playing Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Yeah. Wham. Yeah. And I was even learning about all this shit. Like, you know, I remember hearing Ellie Escobar playing, like, U2 oh. and, like, you know, 
uh, just like uh, Bloody Sunday and being like, yo, what song is this? In the club. In the club. Like, you wouldn't play that in a club right now. No, I'm playing like- Sweet uh, Home Alabama. Yeah. Nine that used to be a big one. That was yeah. a crowd favorite. Yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails, like mm-hmm. Closer. Yeah. Like, all oh of these God, great, all yes. these great, but like mixing Nine Inch Nails Closer and then you hear like in the club instrumental underneath it. And yeah. I'm like, yo, this- and yeah. then you're just hearing like these two worlds colliding, and you're hearing and mm-hmm. you're seeing white people, black people, Puerto Ricans, and everyone's just like, yo, like vibing off of all of this shit. Yep. It's just to me, it's one of the best times in nightlife. But yeah. I, I mean, I agree. It was a know? golden age for DJs for right. sure. 100%. It's hundred percent. It's like the best era I think that we came up in mm-hmm. to hear all that shit and hear all the DJs before us. All yeah. right, so you're blowing up. You're doing star. Yep. And then you're bubbling. So, like, what, what, I think I started hearing about you at Gold Bar. Because everyone's like, Gold Bar's the hot spot. And I would come back to New York. I'd visit New York. And everyone's like, you know who's headlining? Or you know who's... <laughs> you know what's going on, right? <laughs> Crooked. Yeah, ever since you left, New York been falling apart, man. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what's going on? And they're like, they you, know, got- you know who's DJing and headlining at Gold Bar? <laughs> and you know who was telling me this, right? You know. already know who's telling me. That. <laughs> I, I have was, an idea. I have an yeah, idea. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm really honest, yeah. I already know who's telling you that. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name. Yeah. Does it start with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bleep. I'm going to bleep that one letter. Yeah. I already know. You already know. But I'm not even mad at that. I totally get it. It yeah, just yeah. happened that way. I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. can't help it that people started hiring me. And it's not like, wouldn't you rather them hire someone who's really fucking in it for the right reason than to hire just a fucking face that's just pushing play back there? No. You know? But the thing is, like, I was like, no, no, like, I get it. Because she was putting me on the music. And she was, like, sending me, like, you know? She was making me embarrassed. Like, I don't know Centipede. I don't know that. I would go to Rock and Soul. Like, do you guys have Centipede? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> from the 80s? <laughs> and, you know, Ruben's like, yeah, we got Centipede, you know? You get that shit. <laughs> All right, so you're blowing up. You're doing New York. You're killing it. I'm sure motherfuckers are giving you Fashion Week. You're getting Fashion Week events. I had to fight for those jobs. You did. Because it like everyone who had a Fashion Week event and was like tied to a brand, they would never let go of that, or they Ever. would never get replaced unless they really fucked up somehow. Yeah, or they or they died or some shit or some it's shit happened. Right? <laughs> like no More. one loses a corporate event, no. right? So you started trying to build all of this. Yeah, brick by brick. I mean. My background was PR, so that really helped me. Mm. So I put together a press kit. Like, I knew how to speak to corporate people. Perfect. So that really helped. And that's where I was able to help Masood or MOS. So when he was teaching me how to DJ and he was, you know, helping me with my swag in the club and, you know, just giving me the confidence to go in this room. And you can kill it musically, but you got to walk in that motherfucker. I'm about to kill this shit. Like, don't fucking talk to me. I'm about to kill this shit. You got to walk in that shit like Rocky. You know what I mean? So he having him have my back and having trained with him, you know, and studied with him and listened to his sets and your sets and stuff, that really gave me the confidence. But what I was able to give to him was the more corporate part of it. So, like, when we got together, I was like, okay, you need to do a photo shoot. I set up the photo shoot. I was like, all right, you need to do a press kit. We did a biography. You know, so I started helping him package himself better you know so between the two skill sets it really helped us both 
Right. Mm. You showed him the blazers and the collar, the collar Yo, shirts. Like- <laughs> I may or may not have bought a few of Goosebumps hearing this, bro. Like that, that love language of music and like you said, and you guys oh just gosh. compliment each other yes. so well. And you teaching him something, him doing the same. Like that's incredible. That could have been like, crooked, man. <laughs> Jesus Kirkland. See what you've done? He dropped, you the, dropped the ball. Dropped the ball. I think for, uh, for men DJs, at least I can speak for myself starting out, that is something that you don't realize how valuable those tools are to package yourself, market yourself, do those things. You we're focused on, I was focused on strictly music. Skill. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you learn that skill, yes, you need to have it, but it's not all there is it's about 50 percent yeah you know part of it is your image how you're packaged who you're affiliated with Mm -hmm. and at one point in our early journey together we literally sat on the floor he and i and we wrote the top djs out and we went through each dj and we said what what do they have that we don't have Mm. so we'd be like do they have a celebrity connection are they famous um are they fucking somebody (laughs) like we're like who what is what is the thing why them and not me yeah. yeah, well, not in a um, and not, not in a like, faulty not way. In, a, way, in a way, like let's figure this shit right. out, and yeah. we really dissected it. And I cannot, I am not being um, facetious. We sat on a floor with a pen and paper, and we're like, okay, Mark Ronson, Samantha Ronson, Sky Neller, what do they have? What they're affiliated right. with this? How? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if we don't have the celebrity connection, what can we do to make up for that? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But we just studied people who were successful, right? And we try to figure out where we can fit in in yeah. that hierarchy. And in a sense, if you're in any business, you should do that. Yeah. You should study the best and you should see what qualities they have that you don't have. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you should work towards getting those qualities and also seeing what they don't have that you have. Right. Right. And so that's actually a perfect thing for anybody to do, yep. yes. to be honest. But also what we're not talking about is this is before social media. This is exactly. before the Internet. It's before Instagram. And, actually, Lord. and mm-hmm. PR was really important mm-hmm. because I remember New York DJs were obsessed with, with getting their name mentioned in the page New York six. Post. Yeah. In the page six. Had got to be in page six. This was mm-hmm. the era where motherfuckers, there were DJs probably towards the late 2000s. And I think Stereo was definitely the major club where everyone wanted to get mentioned where, I don't know, Britney Spears and, uh, you know, I don't know who the fuck was popping at that time. Like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, Justin yeah. Timberlake, Hannah Montana, whatever the fuck. Dancing to DJ Crooked. Boom. Yeah, dancing at Stereo to the very late nights with... DJ Kiss or blah, say blah. And DJs in New York were paying, I think, about five to seven K a month to PR agencies. I thought it was two K. I didn't even know it was that much. It was pretty expensive. It depends it depends on which agency because yeah. we hired a publicist as well that was not that expensive, but there are publicists that are that expensive for sure. Yeah, so it's like you could pay two thousand and you'll get maybe one mention a month. Mm-hmm. You you pay five thousand, yeah. you might get mentioned like every week. Numerous right. times. Yeah. yeah. So it's like kind of like how much you shell out and how much you pay. Mm-hmm. Right. They're gonna work harder to make sure you're mentioned and you're there. Yeah. That and that that was the only outlet for of advertising. Yep. At that time. I forgot about that page sits. Yeah. Went your name in that fucking article. It was like the publicist was era cuz wow. everyone was like, yeah. "Yo, you got a publicist? You got a publicist?" Cuz I and they come to me like, "Crook, you got a publicist?" I'm like, "No, like, man, you're falling off, man. You need a publicist." <laughs> you need a publicist. Damn. <laughs> and I remember I did research and I was like, "5k." I'm like, "Get the <laughs> fuck out of here." I'm not paying Five fucking K for a fucking publicist? <laughs> That's crazy. Well, and but, the only social media at that point was MySpace. 
So yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the only type of social media. But even then, like that one kind of you got to be in somebody's top. But it, but it's not a good look. It, it wasn't like a look like getting mentioned in a paper. Right. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And there's like, and especially when you're in New York, there's a there's a there's a pretension that you got to get mentioned and you have to be around certain circles. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is yep. one of the reasons why I moved to Vegas. Yeah. I because I knew. I was like, all right, I'm a I'm a decent DJ, you know, I work hard, but at that point there was like this stigma if you're not a rich kid, you're not going to be in the cool circles and you're not going to do the like cool the gig. big the cool gig. That's another reason why I moved to Vegas cuz right. I, yeah. I realized that when I was spending out in New York. You did the same thing that that's what you realized, yeah, right? Yeah, like when I saw Mark Ronson blowing yeah. up, yeah. Jusky, all these guys, it was like, yo. The cool I, I saw yeah, I saw what was happening. I was like, all right. It's time to make that move. Yeah. Let them take over, not just move to Vegas and do my thing there. Yeah. Because it became less about DJing and mm-hmm. more about society. And you're like, well, Like who you know, who you hang out with, who you could bring to the party. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Exactly. That was a big thing as well, your circle, because the clubs would hire you hoping that your circle, your friends would come. Probably. So mm-hmm. that's why they would. Yeah. It's, it's like a bunch of things, too, though. It's like style, the clothing, being mm-hmm. like... Like the rich kids were tied into someone in fashion. Mm-hmm. They knew this person. They knew that. You know, they, they they had already a rich crowd. So when they DJed, they were selling you know three tables right. when they spun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I'm just like this broke kid from fucking right from you know Manhattan uptown. And I'm like, yo, whenever I invite my friends over, like a fight breaks out, I can't even <laughs> well, invite I can't, my I can't, friends. I can't even get my friends into the <laughs> venue. <laughs> they gonna smoke weed in the spot. I'm gonna get in trouble. So I couldn't even bring my friends really? anywhere. Right. And I remember, to me, he's one of the he's best super dope. club DJs in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was looking at him, and he was like, to me, he was like, I want to be just as good. As Mic control, crowd control, everything. And he was peaking only in these bridge and tunnel nightclubs. And I remember having a conversation with Rockthecon at the time. I said, I got to try Vegas out because it way better DJ than I am. And if he's stuck in like, quote unquote, hip hop bridge and tunnel clubs, like what am I going to be stuck in? You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, I got to try Vegas out and see what's good. And it's so funny until you mentioned it, I really forgot about the hierarchy. There really was. It's just a wall that you couldn't get past if you weren't in these people's Even if you were like, like even being like kind of like a minority, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, you had to kind of face the fact like, unless I'm really partnering up with a rich kid yep. and I'm getting co-signed by like a rich white kid. Yep. I'm not going to make it in New York like That's that. That's so crazy. I you remember that, about right? That era. I really did. Because I really was not That was true. That's why yeah. we wrote that list. Yeah. Though, if you I think about it. The when list you said those names, I was like they're all white. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're all white. But at the time, kids, yeah. they were the people that were working the most, doing the top events and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we were just trying to map our career out the best we could. Like what what can we offer this scene? What do we have you know yeah and if you were lucky you, you like you befriended or like a, a white promoter who's doing all the hot parties yes mm-hmm. you were their go-to dj and they would insist on you if and you, they would insist on you and you would kind of you would piggyback get, off that piggyback and then you might get kind of grandfathered into the circle of right. like cool motherfuckers right yeah. right right but you know like, that's how i got yeah. lucky yeah a little bit yeah but at, at some point grand, you realize grandfathered you in <laughs> huh um i started doing parties with bill Spector. Okay. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And then I was DJing with Mark Ronson once in a while. Yeah. He kind of put me onto like promoters. I don't know if you remember Vegas. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. Him. So, yeah, this is like before, I guess when you came to New York, I had left and moved to Vegas by then. When did you move to Vegas? 2003. Okay, yeah, I just got in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but there's, a, there's a certain point when you get these opportunities, but then the, you, you notice it's still not enough. Right. And you're seeing other motherfuckers kind of like move ahead of you. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. Who like, can't DJ, by the way, also. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's not as good, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you're just kind of like, yo, like, so I'm not in those circles. I'm not like tapped into like all the rich white kids. So I, I got to figure another thing out, you know. In hindsight, now I totally understand why you moved. Yeah. I feel I don't know why I kind of forgot about that whole time period, but it was very hierarchy. It was, it was very weird. like, are you celebrity? Are you cele- um, affiliated with a celebrity or right? Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's kind of and it was also another thing of like, um, like crooked. You know, like that's such a hip hop name. You, you know, like use your real name, like Richard something. Like you know, what I'm Richard, right. Richard S. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like right. I, I remember rock because it was like Mark Ronson, right? Right. Yeah. It was like Todd Malice. There was like all these other I dudes, Neller. right? Sky Neller. It was it's like all very... these real name motherfuckers. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, you like, you like DJ Rampage. You're like, yo, you <laughs> on that hip hop. Like, I want to be tough. So they were like, oh, crooked. Like, you know, why are you sounding crooked? Use your real name. And I never thought about that. Wow. They, yeah, no, but yeah. it was at the time. <laughs> Who was the other DJ that was um, delight DJ? Annie Quinn. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Annie Quinn was killing. Yeah. He's nasty. Mm-hmm. But Rathacon had the dopest name. Rathacon is the dopest name ever. And he was like <laughs> about to change it to Andrew Brown, like, <laughs> which is the worst right. name. So I remember he gave me a business card and it said Andrew Brown. I'm like, what the what the <laughs> fuck what is this? I'm like, do you do like accounting? Real like, estate? why are you giving me <laughs> accounting? Like, right. like, I was like, why are you giving me this card that says Andrew Brown? He's like, all the promoters been telling me to use my real name. I'm like, dude, Rathacon is the sickest fucking it's name Ill. I've ever yeah. heard. Andrew Brown sounds like some dude that does my taxes. Yeah, like, I'm saying he does yeah. your taxes. Black, yo. And Andrew shit because we used to do the the Reservoir Dogs. They're like, yeah. Mr. Brown. I'm like, I sounds like Andrew shit. shit. So, <laughs> so he kept it Rothicon. But that I remember that era distinctly because I was like, I gotta move to Vegas. Yeah, it but, was it was smart probably in hindsight because there was probably. no way to get in. No, I, I would have been you know when I the only reason I was able to again because I I had been a waitress so I had relationships with these people outside of DJing mm-hmm. so it was kind of like oh we'll give her a chance. But if you didn't really know the club owners and the managers and stuff and you weren't a rich kid or affiliated with a celebrity, yeah, they're probably not going to give you a chance. But also having that PR background is important. And also like just being able to sit down like you did and make that list and really just like take it seriously like Mm -hmm. a real, real business. Yep. That's great. From day one. Yeah. We felt like that. What would you, what year was that where you put the list together? Do you remember? It was like probably (laughs) 2006. Seven? Seven. Seven. Six or seven? DJ AM era. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely the DJ Oh, that's AM. when New York started trying to be like AM too. Yeah. That was that? a horrible time. That was an time. era. That was an era. <laughs> that was an era. <laughs> that was so horrible. I used to go back and I'm like, oh my God, why are they trying to DJ like West Coast DJs? Doing the same mitts as they Yes. Had. Yes. You're like, no, you have a distinct sound. Let's keep it New York. No. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So wait, when did you? When did Suja at Scam sign you? When did he get, take notice of you? Do you remember? Were you doing like Atlantic City and all of this shit before that? I was. Mm. Yeah, I think that was it. I had gotten so much stuff on my own that you know, for Suja, it made sense because if you have to bring a DJ in and now you have the same number of clients, but now an extra DJ, then somebody's jobs are going to get taken. Well, you were probably taking work away from his DJs, so he's like, well, no. Yeah, so yeah. 
in general, that's the business model, right? So mm-hmm. you have the same number of clients, but you bring on another DJ, then somebody's jobs are getting taken. But if you bring on a DJ that has new clients, then they're actually adding to the pot. Mm. And for scam artists at that time, they only had Sky. And Sky was a high-end DJ, so there were some jobs she's just not going to do for that money. And Scam yeah. was like, we don't want to let these jobs just go. So they wanted to get a girl that could DJ that could take those jobs. So right. that's who I ended up being. Mm. Yeah. I remember Sky used to complain about Sujit, and she would like, she would have these high-end clients, like fashion clients, right? Like high-end. <laughs> Like I, I'm like Dior, I'm, Dior, yes. like a Louis Vuitton or something, and she was like, "I can't believe the way Sujit is talking to these motherfuckers." <laughs> yes, and she, she, it was to the point where she's like, "You're not talking to them anymore. I'm talking to them because right. you're fucking this all up." Because right. you know, right. Sujit is just very just abrasive. Yeah. He'll send, he'll send an email like, "I'll be like, hey, uh, you know, I haven't been in Miami in a minute." He's like, "I'm on it," and then he'll send an email to someone in in the club in Miami like DJ Crooked question mark thoughts. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yo, I, you have no idea point. how much I fucking love Sujit, though. Yeah. I adore Sujit. But I of how it, he yeah. is. Yeah. He is who he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the motherfucker in Miami is like, yo, this is, this. yeah, Sujit just sent me this email. <laughs> DJ Crooked question mark. Thoughts. <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> but just, so you're doing this, so you're handling all your bookings. Wow. Yeah, because I wasn't big enough for a manager. And you know how it was? Like, they were like, okay, you got a couple of club dates. Good for you. How did you figure out your rates? Like, what was your way? What was your tactic? Did MOS help you out with that? Um, He did. But essentially, I mean, I was so new. I was just taking whatever they gave me. Honestly, I DJed for free a lot. You know, just wow. you have to mm-hmm. get yourself out there. There's no other way. You've yeah. got to get yourself out there. Crazy. So, yeah. It, and I overlapped for a while. So I was still waitressing for a while. So I still was able to pay my bills while I was coming up in um, as a DJ. And then at a certain point, I think even a club owner or something said, okay, well, you got to pick one or the other because like one day you're on the floor and then you're trying to DJ. He was just like, it's just. Oh, you were still juggling waitressing? Yeah, because I wasn't making any money as a right, DJ. Right, right, I was right. opening for, you know, DJ MOS or I was closing. Like, I wasn't making money. Oh, so you were like missing nights, taking nights off. Yeah, exactly. It was just too weird. So finally, I just I just took a leap of faith and quit waitressing. And Wait, where, where were you waitressing and juggling this DJing at the time? I was at Marquee at that time. After oh, okay. After PM, I went to Marquee. Oh, wow. So, and you know who was there at the time who was a big and good DJ? DJ Omi. Oh, Omi, yeah. Yeah, Omi was the girl. She was kind of the club girl oh, I forgot about in that her. moment. Omi, yeah. yeah. I think she's in Miami now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's in Miami, yeah. Omi was lovely. I mean, you know, of, of course, when I came, she's kind of like, who the fuck are you? But she was very, she was as nice as she could be. And then we grew mm-hmm. to um, have a friendship afterwards. But she was killing it when I started. So, yeah. Yeah, I have some funny stories. Oh, me. Aw, she was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, wait, wait. So, when did Sujit hit you? It must have been, I want to say, 2007. Wow. Damn. It was either 2007 or eight. And I loved being with scam artists. I mean, they sent me, they got me that residency in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, for that, that... I was at Studio 54 at MGM before Hakkasan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like at the time, I was the only girl in Vegas. Like other girls were opening. Tina T yeah, like yeah, opened yeah, for yeah. me one night. And like she's 
she's way amazing. better of a DJ than me. Technically, she's amazing. She's yeah. really great. Yeah. No, she's way better of a DJ than me. Mm-hmm. But because I was like with scam and blah, 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 the hierarchy, it was just all, all about hierarchy. But I think I was like at some club that's strategic owned or something. Tao. I was at Tao. Yeah, Tao. So I think she opened for me at Tao or something. But right. way better DJ. <laughs> but um, yeah, there just weren't any girls that had a whole night. Like I was the resident DJ at Studio 54. Like I, they flew me there twice a month Wow. for at least a year or two. And a lot of times... Masood would, um, MOS would be in Vegas too. So we would like literally be at two separate clubs in Vegas. Was MOS a DGI at this point or not yet? No, he was on his own. He, well, he had, um, he had an individual manager. Um, what was his name? Akil. Okay. Do you remember Akil? No. Akil Rucker. Mm -mm. Akil Rucker. He was in nightlife and knew all the people. So he was a great manager for, uh, for MOS at the time. Was it, was it tough sometimes? Like... You know, because you're with MOS and maybe your career was like maybe like moving faster than his or more ahead. Was it tough with you guys personally or you guys always understood and you guys were always supportive, you know, at the same time? He is always 100 percent been 100 percent supportive. Yeah. He's literally my biggest fan. Like the thing that my mom loved about him was like for our first couple of like birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's Day he would buy me DJ equipment. Like it would be Valentine's <laughs> Day and I wouldn't get like lingerie. He would buy me like new needles or like, you know, like yeah, something like funny that. Yeah, shit. Like, yo, to the point that I had to have my friend tell him like, okay, you need to start getting her girlfriend gifts. Like, he, <laughs> but my mom, my mom loved it because it was like, yo, she said he believes in you. Yeah. Like this man is buying you shit for your career. Like, you know, and he, so he's always been supportive. Shouts to moms. But as you know, for back in the day specifically, there were like club DJs and event DJs, and mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. there wasn't that much overlap. So I quickly got into the event space, right? Which just makes more money, yeah. d- has more opportunity, and he was still doing clubs. So what we did together was work on building his event profile. Mm. Got it. Because you know you can do one event, and that'll be the equivalent of three club nights. And, what, you, and was he like kind of like showing you certain like big room or like more high energy club things he was doing? Because I would just yeah. come to his gigs. Right, I would right. just study him. I, I just studied every single DJ. I just always paid attention to how people move, how they mix songs, how they quick mix, how, you know. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember there was a there was a funny video maybe a few years ago where you and MOS were in a car and y'all were talking about New York hip hop. Yes. And then he. And I remember you were so. He tried to stun me. You were so annoyed, right? It was cute though, because he was like, he's like, yeah, you from you you rep New York, but you really from Louisiana, so you don't really know New York hip hop. I don't know. I don't know if someone was interviewing y'all. I don't know what was going on. We were having an honest. We were having a fight in the car, and I just turned on Instagram because I was like, you sound crazy right now because I'm not from here. I don't know all the joints. Yeah. But it turns out I don't know all no, the no. joints. Like if you, if you weren't there in New York City listening to, you know, Hot 97, there's some shit you missed. Yeah. Sorry, you just missed it. Yeah, just growing up in the 80s, 90s cuz like hip hop was just everywhere. Yes. Whereas like if you were outside in another city, you were watching it through a TV. Through Rap City. When it was yeah, <laughs> when it was actually happening 
like all around us like everything was happening yes. like yeah. even the fashion was just all around yeah. us mm-hmm. yeah. like it wasn't we weren't looking at like a music video to be like oh that's the new no. Columbia rain suit we was part of it we yeah. was experiencing it we yes. saw motherfuckers wearing Vasque boots and like corduroy that's crazy because in LA you know? like it infiltrated LA so hard with yeah. the fashion like to the point where like you know we started wearing Tommy and Eddie Bauer and yeah all these things that was kind of foreign to LA. Like we were more like Dickies and <laughs> right. certain shit. You know yeah. what I mean? But I, I I was wearing Tim's like with jean shorts and like that it's too hot to be wearing fucking Tim's in LA. But yeah. we were just doing it because <laughs> from broccoli. New York it was just so popping and it was everywhere right. on TV. It was just you know what it was in New York, it was so natural because there was always one fly motherfucker that was always on top of the new shit. Mm-hmm. And he introduced everybody Else to, to Tommy Hilfiger or Mm-hmm. And there was probably someone who put him onto something. Nautica. Yeah, but we were learning from him. He would come in with a Helly Hansen jacket. We were like, yo, what's that? He's like, you don't know Helly Hansen? Yeah. You corny, bro. Like, and we'd be like, what? <laughs> yes. And then we started like looking for those brands and shit. And it was yeah, just like, man. it was just like more natural. It wasn't like TV at all. Yeah. 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 It was crazy. But yeah, I mean, those little things about New York. But I thought that was really cute because you were like really annoyed. You're like, what are you talking about? I know the New York shit. He's like, you don't know the New York, New you York had, shit. No, that saying you had to be here. Yeah, you had to be there. You had to be there. You just had to be there. You're, oh. You missed some shit. Yeah. Period. So like you're you're blowing up. I, I remember seeing you because you were coming to Vegas. I don't know if I ever went to see you, DJ, but I'm sure like no because you were working also. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, duh, you were killing. I, know I actually saw you once at Lavo. Oh, that's the first time and I met I you. And I only DJ'd at Lava one time. Oh, so yeah, that was- <laughs> <laughs> the one time you were there. No? So he I obviously wasn't great because I only DJ'd there I feel once. Like he was there. I must have been there. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, well, we gotta go check Kiss. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I was always so happy to see you. I, I appreciate like, it, Crooked. You, know, you uh, yo, I really fucking appreciate you. No, no, no. For real, I was like so proud of you because it was like. I just, I don't know. For for me, I think of like, you know, if I had a niece or a daughter or anything and you just, you showed this early sign of interest and it's like, if you just like, kind of like, you know, to you see build it flourish. On, well, it's like you kind of like, you take this small little interest, like this little thing of like, yo, I'm not hearing the songs I want to hear. And then it just grows and you kind of like feed it, you nourish it and it becomes this craft and then it becomes this career and then you're making money off of it. And then I thought it was dope that, you know, like what you and MOS had. But I, I thought it was dope that you were like killing it so hard. And everyone, there was so many DJs that hated on you. But I knew like the story behind you. Right. So I was, right. I was just like, nah, you don't get it. Like she's just it. not like, and I would tell them, I was like, yo, you act like it's just so easy for a black girl to come out and blow the fuck up. <laughs> oh you know what God. I mean? Yeah. Yo, can you say it a fucking again? Like, yeah. I'm literally the last person that these people, if I'm here, it's because I am fucking good. Because right. there are 10 yeah. other people that w- they would rather I was like, here. fam, if, if she was a white girl who was the daughter of some Celebrity. entertainment lawyer. Or, or some actor. Right? Like yeah. she, and she, I'm like, yo, fam, she was a cocktail waitress at a club. And she was putting me on to 80s R&B. And of course she- And plus she wasn't from New York. Yeah. And I wasn't from no. New York. I had no connections here or no. anything. Yeah. But I get it. Like, fuck, people are coming in taking jobs that you feel like you should have. I totally get that. And it was so competitive back then. Right. But yeah, people got to respect that dog. I came from fucking nothing. I mm-hmm. came from nothing. I remember I would be on stage at Studio 54 in Vegas. And it would hit me. I would be like, what the fuck? 
fuck am I doing here? <laughs> they let me, they let me I'm in. from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Right. Like all of my classmates work at the post office. Like, yeah. like what am I doing on stage in Vegas playing beautiful. fucking, you know, Calvin Harris for these And people? there was no, honestly, there was no representation. It wasn't like there at was all. a bunch of black girl DJs everywhere. There was no. like, there was none of them. None. There was, none of them. It was Beverly Bond. There was like, and we would even go back like Jazzy Joyce. We would yeah. be like Spinderella, Coco you Chanel. know, Coco Chanel. Yeah. You know, there was it was very was limited. Ma- Mary you know? Mac, Mary Mary Mac, Mac. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mary Mac was yeah. Yeah, it was there was not now, many. Now look, there are tons, and that's so amazing. Many. But in the at that time, right there, I was the only one. That's it. I don't think people, yeah, yeah, and you were and you were crossing over to like white top forty clubs too, mm-hmm. which was shocking everybody. Damn, I see. This is my you know, first time getting the perspective. The perspective of it because it happened to me, but you know, I didn't know how people feel well, about it. Well, I feel like you should be more of a household name in the DJ community, especially for like women DJs mm-hmm. because they weren't having black girl DJs in top 40 clubs in Las Vegas like that. No. Do you know what no. I mean? It was no a way. big deal. Dude, yeah. They still not. They, yeah, I, was, I, was like, I, I just want to like, what? I, I was yeah. gonna ask. I'm like, is there any of them? Like, I don't right know. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, if the girl that does the um army parties. Oh, Jasmine Rich. Yes, her. I mean, I mean yeah, oh. Jasmine. That's like the only here, one. Here, where, right. where is she? In, in Vegas. Vegas. In Vegas. But she's oh, she's still on the rise. Yeah, like, she's, she's still on the rise. What you've accomplished, like she's. Something I, I guarantee she knows who you are. Oh, okay. Someone that yeah. she probably. I, mean, I don't even to. know if she knows who she is. And yeah. because, like, I would say the cycle is like five years. So, like, every five years, this is you have a lot of drop uh, off of people no, that no. go no, to no, the this, clubs. This girl's like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, she wouldn't even know. She's a baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she doesn't know. Yeah, but she gonna know now. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> if she watches episode. <laughs> but, but no, to she, that yeah. point, though, to yeah. that point. That is why Hubby and I are working on the scripted series because mm. after we've accomplished all this stuff, as you guys know, as a DJ, you know, you you have changed people's lives in ways that you don't even know, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. you don't have anything tangible really to show for it. Maybe a picture from the night, like you don't have anything tangible. So, you know, I really started thinking about legacy. What is, how will I have a legacy after I stopped right, DJing? Right, right. Was this last 15 years just for shits and giggles? Like mm-hmm. I spent 15 years of my life doing this. Mm-hmm. So that's why we pitched this um, scripted series about our life, about this story that we're telling right now. Right. We pitched this to a production company, this story um, to a production company over COVID. And we are actively working on this show right now we just got our final script for the show nice. we're about to start yeah. talking to networks and it's a story of two up-and-coming djs in new york city in that time period which is the golden age for wow. clubs for music for djs and it's our love story set in the midst of the chaos of new york city nightlife in the early 2000s nice. who's playing crooked yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Y'all better write me. We gotta no. make sure Crooked's in there. Y'all yeah. better write me in. Y'all Keep better the cards write me teach how to DJ. Make sure that's in there. <laughs> Y'all better write me in. <laughs> better but, not be like some weird weirdo looking like who who did stretch like the, recently there was a show the, yeah, um, and it had Stretch Armstrong that's show in there. Show on VH1. Yeah, the Wu Tang show. Yeah, the yeah. Wu Tang show. And they casted they casted someone as. Yeah, Stretch and Bobito. Stretch oh. but and, it, and they, it looked nothing like <laughs> Oh Lord. I'd be pissed. Yeah, don't make me look like some Philip like some weird like Philip Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make hire sure the, he's Korean at least. What was the Spider Man movie? That, oh uh, Ned? Yeah, they're gonna hire Ned. <laughs> but like for you guys, this podcast is yeah. part of your legacy. It's something you know, that'll Cookie be here. always talks about that. No, this is why I started the podcast because everyone everyone just knows the DJs 
the superstar DJs. Right. But they don't know the gold fingers. Yes, they don't know exactly. about him killing it at Lotus and Envy and us looking up to him. They don't know about yep. like Riz and all these like just all these superheroes who shaped us. the culture. Yeah, of the culture. Yeah. And it's just like even your story. You know, to me, like, that's some superhero shit. To me, like, I was really, like, so happy. I remember, because remember in Vegas, billboards was a big deal. I had a billboard. You had a billboard. Oh, my God. I you had know? a fucking Vegas <laughs> billboard. That is so fucking crazy. Like, I, we, you know, when you're working, you're in it. So you don't really take time to go back and say, oh, I did this. I did that. Mm -hmm. But, like, yo, I had a fucking And you're billboard. so worried about the next, what's next. You have to worry about what's right. next. Constantly. You know what? You're the second person this week that I've been talking to. And they never had a chance to reflect reflect and process on the journey mm -hmm. and really just give themselves a pat on the back to be like, yo, you did and accomplished a lot of shit. And yeah. you kiss, you accomplished a lot of shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Cricket, I'm literally going to cry because no. like you don't think about it. No. You, you just you're forced to because we work for ourselves. Right. Always constantly yeah. think about what's next. But, you know, talking to you and remembering PM and where I really fucking came from. Right. You know, that's and all like these, serious. all these obstacles. Yeah. You just didn't realize because you got through it and then you and then you have the next obstacle. The next thing and the, the next yeah. one. And then you don't realize like, oh my God, that was a thing. That was a thing. That was a thing, you know? You did a oh, lot. Crooked thing. And you. it's not over yet. No. Yeah. Oh no. And, we and we're we're just in the beginning. We're just talking about <laughs> I, so I feel like you I don't know what was going on with the nightclubs, but I feel like you got you were like kind of over just the drunkenness and the the chaos of a nightclub. And you was that one of the reasons you wanted to more focus more on corporate besides the money, or no, was it, was it just, just the, the money? I loved nightclubs. You did. It was just the money. I fucking loved. Now I don't because I don't like the music. I don't like current music like that. It's just mm. it, it's a low vibration. It's just not good messages. Not that fuck the police and all that stuff was good messages, but <laughs> right, right. there was something behind it. It was like, right. I'm talking about my awareness. struggle. Yeah, yeah, they're creating awareness. They were not pushing a lifestyle, in my opinion, the way that a lot of the music does now. It just pushes negativity on people. Um, but, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, why did you leave nightclubs? Because you were killing it so hard with nightclubs. It was, it was literally just the money. Just the corporate. Like, you know how you just said that you quit? What club was that? Uh... You quit a club and then you came back because you wanted more money. Uh, or they offered you money. I quit PM, PM to go to Ruby Falls for money. Yeah. I did that as well. They just did not want to pay. I don't. You weren't here, but the club rates went down when you left to go New, to Vegas. The yeah. club rates collectively went down in New York. In New York City, right. and so I it, mean, look at it. We just now. weren't making money at all, and so like at some point I quit Avenue. Like I was the resident at Avenue on Fridays for years. And at some point I quit and they were like, we're not going to pay you more money. And then three weeks later they were like, okay, we'll pay you. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Um, so like in corporate events, you know, I have to pay my bills still. Like this is still a business as much as I love DJing. It's still a business. So I just ended up trans, um, transferring what am i trying to say i ended up starting to do more events because transitioning, the, transitioning sorry yeah. i had a brain fart um transitioning to events because a there was a lot of glamour mm -hmm. <laughs> there was built-in press right mm -hmm. you know and you just got a lot of money they wanted to dress you i'm like i'm a size four at the time i'm right. like okay <laughs> i fit everything you know yeah and you but, were tall. And I you was were tall. You were like perfect for, you know, like fashion runway. Stuff. Yeah, fashion yeah. shit. Yeah. Fashion stuff. Really. And the clubs, though, but I loved the clubs because I love that energy of mm. fucking 
killing it and like people being like yo she killed that shit like that's the best you guys know like yeah, that's yeah. the best the feeling yeah. Yeah. there is a, there is a there's a point though like when i was on scam and you're busy and and you're you're killing it you're out of town every week it gets repetitive and the money just stays the same yeah so it gets it's kind of like all right i'm I'm getting a little tired of the rat race. I'm traveling a lot, but the money's not going up and yep. I'm killing it. And it's like, then you get to another cap, almost similar to New York, where you're just kind of like, all right, if I'm not dating a celebrity, right? Or, if, or if How I'm, am I going to increase this? How am I going to double my rate and get this, like, I don't know, like this $10,000 rate that these motherfuckers are getting per night? You know, and you're like, Yo, I'm capping at 2500 3K. You know, so I, I totally get what you mean with the club shit. And after doing the rat race of like going to like, you know, fucking Miami to Kansas City to like Oklahoma to like, I don't know, oh somewhere God. else. Scam you know? had me DJ in Idaho one time. <laughs> like, I'm like, Sujit, are you like, like it was a barn, Sujit. It was a barn. No. Potato I was barn. there. Yes, you know yes. what I'm It was like, on the rotation. They had like hay. They had like bales of hay there. Oh, bales she was I thought she was hay. being metaphorical. No. no. <laughs> there were bales of hay and I was like, I don't feel that comfortable here, but I'm going to play an all rock set. Yeah. And I'll be like, no, I'm. <laughs> I remember DJing there and I was just like, in, it was a barn and I was just there. It was hay and there was like a stage and motherfuckers were dancing on hay. That's wild. Like it was it was college wild. kids like wilding the fuck out. <laughs> but I was just like, because I remember there was like sawdust on the fucking yes. floor and shit. And I was DJing on the shit. And I was just like, where the fuck am I <laughs> DJing? But for you, that must have been like a complete contrast to like these events. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, exactly. I so. <laughs> if you have your choice, if yeah. anybody has their choice, they're going to make more money. So that's yeah. literally all it was. Is this and did you stay with Scam when you wanted to focus on corporate, or did you feel like Scam represented more of a nightclub, nightlife thing? So you're like, I need to change management because I know you left Scam, right? Right. Was that one of the reasons? I'll no, and I left on great terms with Sujit, right? And he understood, but I was like. The reason they brought me on is to be Sky Neller's junior, to to take all the jobs that Sky Neller didn't want. Like the leftovers. The right, leftovers. Right. That's why I was brought on. But I wasn't really allowed to grow into my own. They always wanted me, they needed a girl there to take these jobs that she was not going to take, that the money just wasn't enough for her. Right. So at that point, I had started to build my own brand and my own career, but I was always going to be second fiddle to Sky to you know, and I don't even mean from an ego perspective. I'm talking just dollars, you yeah, know, because yeah. if there is a high end job that was in Sky's budget, of course, they would pitch Sky for it first, which, yeah, for sure do that. But it just wasn't fair to me after a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just left and I didn't have a manager at all for a while. But I did not want to keep getting pigeonholed into this certain um, fee when I knew that I could do better than that. Right, right, and I right. And I came and I said to Sujit that exact thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, there's no beef with anyone. I understand the reason that I was even brought here. Mm -hmm. But I've grown. <laughs> like, in the two years, like, now I'm a bigger DJ and I don't want to still be here like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Because it becomes this thing of like, uh, yo, I want, you know, I don't know. I want Never. And we're like, well, Never's 5K, right? And then like, well, we have... You know, two K. Do you have who, who's like never? Well, we got D, and it's like, well, how much is D? And there's not even a negotiation. It's just like fifteen hundred. Right. Boom. Oh yeah, we'll take D. They're not trying to get you the no. most money because yeah, yeah. you're there to play a role. But it's also like 
1500 it's easy i don't have to negotiate i don't have to send multiple emails i don't have to like invoice i don't have to well i don't have to like drag this negotiation for two weeks i got the booking you get your 1500 take it or leave it yeah. you know mm-hmm. and if you don't want it then i'll just find someone else whoever's the next d miles like yeah. oh, well we got jamie now jamie right, wants right. 750 so then I, then the management or the agency starts looking at you like 5K, 1500, 750. And it will and never change. Get, like it that. will never change. And then you'll get stuck That's that way. That's why I left. Unless, it will never change. Unless somehow magically, like at that time, you blow the fuck up by linking up with a celebrity yes. or just something happens. Or otherwise, you get pigeonholed into In that. And that's what happened. Right. I get it. That makes sense. And, and even Sujit, when I, to his credit, when I explained it to him, he totally got it. Yeah. You know, because it was just business. It wasn't anything personal. Again, I adore Sujit. He's mm-hmm. so funny to me. He's just hilarious. <laughs> but I wanted to grow as a DJ and I wanted to grow in my career. Mm. So then when did you start doing like shit? For the, like when did the whole Obama and like Oprah and like we, we went on tour with Prince? No. I went on tour with Oprah. I went on tour with Pharrell. Um, Pharrell and Prince, right? You was like Prince's favorite DJ or something. He would hit not you up. Not his favorite DJ. Which is okay. <laughs> I heard you were the Sound one. Sound a little too hard. Yeah, <laughs> Prince would hit you up and be like, "Yo, I'm here. Like, can you DJ or like how would what was going on with that?" All right, so I started DJing for Prince because a good friend of mine, um, Damaris Lewis, Mm -hmm. she is a model and an actress and a dancer. Prince saw her dance one day and like asked her to go on tour with him, Mm. and she became his muse. But she's a good friend of mine. Um, And so, you know, Dee comes to all of our parties. She came to Baby I'm a Star, so she knew like how much I, you know, hi, DJ. Um, So she just told him, she said, look, you need to hire my girl. So he gave me a shot. I literally DJed a date for him. Like the first time I DJed for him, it was him and a date. So you're doing like a private events for for Prince. This is not. I don't really no, even call it a you, private event. It was you a just date. didn't catch on. It was, it was Prince a, and a girl, and she was just DJing for them. Prince, too. Was, Prince was on a date. Yeah, yeah. That's I, what I'm saying. Like a private event. That ain't a private that's event. event. That's, that's a date. date. Talking about a date. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's extremely intimate. I got there. I thought it was gonna be a party. I get there. There's no one here. Prince comes in and he's with a date and I DJ the date for him. Did he float in? He 100% <laughs> floated in. Um, oh my God, that would be even more nerve wracking. Did he like, was no? specific? Because yes, absolutely. And it's Prince, my God. Like, and you can't play any Prince. Like you're responsible. You, oh man. Wait, wait. No, you Fuck. cannot play any Prince. Not only that. Prince. He doesn't res- want you to play any You're Prince. responsible to read Prince's mind to create a sexy mood. For him and his girl, that's like impossible. (laughs) But you did it. But you did it. All I got is sexy. I just give me what I got. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, how long? How long was your set for this? (laughs) It was long. It was a marathon set. It was like three to four hours. Wow. Just 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 me in a booth, no one else. Prince and his date in a you know across the room, basically having dinner. Having dinner. Did he give you any kind of like suggestions musically? No, they just said before I got there. They said, but I've been studying Prince my whole life. Yeah, yeah. like Prince yeah. is my yeah. favorite. You love Prince. I, I love. Prince. Prince. I remember that about PM. You love Prince. <laughs> love, love, love Prince. Yeah. So, I just played like my vibe, which is kind of you know a Prince vibe. Yeah, yeah. And he he loved it, and then he started hiring me for you know intimate events, big events. I did his you know his SNL party. I DJed wow. for him. I DJed his very last album release at Paisley Park for um, the album Hit and Run. Oh shit! Wow. I DJed for his after party for his um, par- his last Paris show 
at Lazenith. Like, you know, it just be... it. You know, I like the story you told on um, Damon podcast about um, when you was in Paris and you was just hanging out. It's the craziest story. All right. So I was hired by Urban Decay to do their annual presentation to their parent company, which is L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's part presentation, but it's a lot of meetings all day long because they're showing me their vision. We're going back and forth with music. So they fly me in a few days late, um, early. We have meetings all day. I'm there for three days. We have meetings all day the first day, meetings all day the second day. I get a call from my girlfriend, Damaris, um, on the second day, and she's like, oh, we're in town. We're in Paris. I didn't know you were here. We're here. I'm here with Prince. And I said, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool, whatever. She's like, you should come to the concert. And I'm like, well, I've been at, you know, I've been at work. I've been in meetings all day. It's like 5 o'clock. The presentation is at 8 a.m. Mm. the next day. The makeup artist is meeting me in my room to do my makeup for the presentation on stage in front of L'Oreal, the whole company, Mm -hmm. um, at 6 a.m. So I'm like, well, it's not the most responsible thing, but I'll just come to the concert. So I get to the concert. (laughs) I get to the concert. I look a mess. Like, I didn't even judge myself or anything. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I just can't stay. I'm just going to come and whatever. So I get there. I don't have tickets to the show. I'm actually sitting on stage. Oh shit! My seat, my seat is on stage. With like Prince is performing. There's a couch with me and three other girls. That's fucking sick. I look a mess though. By the way, that's the most important important part of the story. Is I looked a mess. So I get there. I'm like, oh, and you can't leave early. Now I'm I'm on stage. Like I can't even leave early. So now I'm like, all right. So I'm here until ten. But it was incredible. Like we're in Paris. And guess who was sitting next to me? By the way, this is trivia. Snow Allegra. No mm. way. Was one of the girls, Snow Allegra and her manager, were on stage with me. And I think there was another girl with us. Wow. That's crazy. But she wasn't big at the time. Mm. She was like a up-and-coming artist. You know, at the end of, um, once we met, like, she gave me all of her information. I sent, I um, used some of her songs in one of my mixes or something. Anyway, she was lovely. So I'm like, all right. So I'm here. It's like 10 o'clock. So I'm like, okay, I really got to go now because I have this presentation at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um Damaris is also, once again, she's like, girl, there's an after party. He's making pancakes. You got to come. <laughs> First of all, who turns down a Prince after party? I he should can. not have gone. But I was like, all right, well, I was like, okay, I'll just go for an hour. Um, it wasn't that far. It was at a club called Silencio. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just I'll just stop by. So I, But I'm like, I'm not going to go like this. I look a mess. So I go home, get dressed, get cute. I'm like, all right, I'll just go over to Silencio for a hot second, say hey, whatever. I get to Silencio, hanging out with Damaris. Prince walks in the club. There's a DJ playing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince walks in. He like surveys, surveils the area, you know, does what he does. And he makes a beeline over to me and Damaris. And he goes, um, do you have your laptop with you? And I was like, um, no, it's, you know, it's at my hotel. And he was like, I want you to spend tonight. Well, damn. <laughs> hey, I need you to spend tonight. You can't yes. tell Prince no. It's 11 <laughs> p.m. I have a presentation at 8 a.m. The reason I'm here at all is because Urban Decay hired me for this presentation on stage at and 8 a, And a Prince party goes late, right? It, of course. It goes late. You haven't even heard the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of am like, oh, but you have a DJ already. He's like, yeah, if you don't mind, could you get your laptop? So she like, she kind of said no to Prince on, on the low. Well, no, but I, I would never, but I was not there on my own. Like, I was there for, so he goes, well, just come play a set. So 
<laughs> he sends his bodyguard with me to go get this laptop because I would not have come back. I would have been like, I, I fell asleep. Right, right. He sends a bodyguard with me to go get the laptop to come back and DJ for them for this party, this after party. So I ended up DJing until 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you got the makeup artist coming at 6. Yeah. Makeup artist is coming at 6. I love that you remember the details. I'm DJing until the sun at a club called Silencio, by the way. So I'm DJing until the sun comes up. I have to rush from the club. The makeup artist is already at my hotel when I get there waiting on me. I look like fucking three-day-old hell, whatever. So she does. So I'm on stage at Urban Decay, like, in front of an audience, <laughs> a, an auditorium of people about to fall asleep. Like, I just didn't have anything in me left to even stay awake. Right. But it was amazing. The party was amazing. It was just, like, one of the most memorable nights of my life. But it just turned from just, oh, I'll just pop by a concert to sitting on stage at a Prince concert to DJing the after party. So it was kind of a hell of a story. Did you send an invoice? <laughs> you know what? Prince was so generous. Really? Never had to hunt him down for money. Ne like he was so generous, paid on time, paid over. Crazy. So he, he would have already sent you money just for you DJing. You didn't have he to. He sent me money for doing a mix. Like when I did that, when I DJed that date for him, his people called and requested that I make a, a mix with yeah. the songs that I had just played at the date. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And they started playing that mix before, if they did like a lounge or something, mm -hmm. they would play that mix. They would have that mix playing while people like filed in. Oh, wow. and, and he just offered uh, to pay for it. I didn't ask, you know, I would have done it for free, but they just, you know. Do you still me. have the mix? I do. Wow. Man. Yo, so Prince really was just, he just loved your taste of music, which is, which he is, used a lot of DJs. No, be right. very clear. Prince used a variety of DJs, but I was fortunate to play for him many times, and he requested me. And you got him, probably got him laid, right? So he was just like, can we got to bring Kiss back. Bring Kiss. Definitely. You guys, can you imagine how surprised I was when I walked in that room, and it's just him and a date? Jesus, man. Okay. What was going through your mind? Like, oh, he got up, he's dancing now. Okay, let's keep this no, going. No, there was no dance. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't a thing. They were sitting together, like, you know, talking and eating and stuff. They didn't get up. He came up, he came, okay, he came to the booth one time. Uh, should I tell this? Okay. He came to the booth one time during that set because you can't play any Prince, but I would play Prince adjacent things. Mm. So I played this song called, um, I want to say Blue Limousine by Vanity, Vanity Six. Mm -hmm. Um so I played it. I was just being slick because, like, I just want, I'm playing Prince adjacent stuff. Right, right. So he, next thing I know, he opens the curtain. Do you remember the booth at Butter? Yeah. And there's a curtain here. There's a curtain. There's the booth, and then there's a curtain right here that mm -hmm. you've got to. Right. So next thing I know, the curtain opens. And he, just he goes, glides over, he just glides he goes, over. He goes, Jesse stole my song. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Jesse Johnson. Produce, who used to be with the time yeah. stole his like baseline mm -hmm. and made that track or something like that. It was something to the effect <laughs> that yeah, like he noticed. Like you can't you couldn't. So he just opened the curtain and said, he, Jesse he stole said, my song and then closed the curtain and went yeah, back to yeah, his Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Did he say it jokingly or was he mad when he said it? No, it was it was jokingly but in that prince way. Yeah. So it's kind of it's joking, but it's like 
Mm-hmm. I see you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But it was it was so funny because he heard every fucking song for him to get up. I played Blue Limousine for him to get up and comment on that song. Jesse so much. <laughs> Jesse so much. Just the most, so, that's like the most Prince thing I've ever heard. Like, just open the curtain. Say what he got to say. Yo, just... yo, yo. Like, what? <laughs> oh, my, my God. God. That's, that's amazing. amazing. I You know, before I know you got to go. Before you go, I want to talk about the Oprah thing because I think that's amazing. Sure. I, you know, like, like we we hear about look, D Nice is killing is it, killing it, killing right it. Now. He's he's been killing it. He's amazing. But I feel like you and there's a, a bunch of other DJs have been doing these events and have been kind of under the radar with these celebrities and these superstars and have been like servicing and like DJing and providing the soundtrack for a lot of Black Hollywood. That yeah. a lot of motherfuckers don't know. Yeah, yeah. That they don't even know before D Nice. Right, right. You right. know what I'm saying? So I want to kind of talk about this, like Oprah and, and and kind of like this world that you entered. Especially, I don't even know if it even maybe it happened before you moved to L. A. But I kind of want to hear a little bit more about it. Okay. Before you go, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my celebrity um, DJ career started with Puff at Gold Bar. Mm. Um. Me being a type of person that always is kind of seeing like what could potentially happen for me. I said, you know, one of these damn days, Puff or Jay-Z or Busta or somebody's going to walk in this club. And I made a crate of all samples of their songs just so I would have it. I wouldn't be scrambling for wow. it. I just made a bunch of bad boy yeah, yeah. samples. I put all of that shit into a club. And I was like, one of these days, instead of. You know, dropping Benjamins when he comes in, I'm going to drop a, a sample. That's it. I'm not going to say shit. I ain't going to shout him out. I'm just going to drop a sample. Right. So Gold Bar one night, I'm there playing Minding My Business. Who walks in? Jay-Z and Puff together. So I just start playing all my bad boy samples. I didn't even acknowledge him at all. I just started playing all my bad boy samples. Next thing I know, Puff, is it you remember the booth at Gold Bar where you had to open the door? And like it was a it was a couch and stuff. Maybe you weren't here for Gold Bar. I don't know. I wasn't. Gold Bar's uh, DJ booth was actually a small room mm-hmm. that had a couch in it. So okay. like your guests and stuff. There was often a party also in the DJ booth. Okay, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So next thing I know, <laughs> Puff opens the door, and he walks up to me and is like, "I want you to DJ my birthday party next weekend." Wow. In Miami. Just like that. That's how it happened. No more, no less. That's what, how it happened. I just play this, you know, the samples. Just and ready. He, ready. Ready. Lucky and ready. Oh, Lucky right? and ready. <laughs> Lucky and ready. But also the foresight to say, like, this is what I want to do right. if this ever happens mm-hmm. to me. And it just happened to happen. So mm-hmm. weird. So he walks into the booth. He's like, I want you to DJ my birthday party next week. I'm like, oh, my God. blah blah blah. But also I'm like, they're never going to call me. I'm like, this is they're not going to call me. They definitely call me. Jessica Rosenblum called like the next couple days. Wow. She was like, hey, Puff is requesting you. Um, and that was like a big birthday of his. I forget which one it was, but he chartered a plane and everybody rode down to, to Miami together. Everybody flew back to New York together. It was incredible. And that was my very first celebrity party. But it was one of his big birthdays. I forget because Jay was there. Um, Mary J. Blige was there. It was just like one of his big ones like he throws now. You yeah, know? yeah. Crazy. So then he started using me all the time, all the time. So and once Puff use, uses you, and especially back in fucking two thousand seven, eight, whatever, mm-hmm. you know that's the green light. Other celebrities are like, oh, that's the hot shit. Wow, it's funny. The first time I heard you DJ was at Puff's fiftieth birthday, 
And I was like, it was uh, it was MOS, and then he let you go up. I'm I'm sure you probably had to go to the restroom or something. Oh, so it was it was it was MOS. I'm like, I didn't DJ that party. Yeah, you were there for like ten minutes. You did like a quick set. Oh, oh. And then he was because re- I went up to him and he was recording you. I'm like, dude, you're so proud. He's like, I gotta get my baby on footage. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh. <laughs> but I heard you do that set. It was like you know MOS did the classics in the beginning. But I was like, oh shit, she's nice with it. Like she's mean. We're like, and then I told Kirk, he's like, oh yeah, funny story. I'll tell you later. I'm like, oh okay, but yeah, yeah. I always, I always uh, bring out my kiss, uh, Jakissa PM bag whenever yeah, I can. Yeah, you know? your cape goes on. So then you were just kind of like in the circles, and then everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh, kiss is. Uh, we need kiss. We need kiss. Well, you know, they just want good music, and they right. want, you know, celebrities want someone that they can trust. They, mm-hmm. you know, someone that knows how to act in those type of settings. So right. And, um, so that happened, and then for Pharrell, Pharrell was looking for a DJ. My friend Bevy Smith. Do you guys know Bevy? No, I've heard no. the name. New yeah, York yeah. icon. Mm-hmm. She is an author. She is a girl about town. She's a TV host. Look her up. She's amazing. Um, good friend of mine. She is friends with Pharrell, and was like, hit me up and said, hey, Pharrell's looking for a DJ. So I went in and auditioned for him. I went to a studio in Soho and auditioned for him and got the job and wow. then just started touring with him. It was I was Pharrell's DJ for about a year while he was on the um, Steve Aoki tour. It was Aokify, Aokify America. Do you guys remember that? Remember Steve Aoki was doing this big tour and he would go out and throw the cake at Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So one of his guests was Pharrell. Pharrell was one of the um, performers that would be on certain dates with him. So I did that. I went to like Hong Kong with Pharrell. We did a bunch of other like private events. And Were stuff. you putting together Pharrell's like set list? Like uh, what he's going to perform or he kind of worked <laughs> no. out with you? No. No? No, they would tell me what he wanted to do. Yeah. Mm. Or we would do it at rehearsal. Shit. Let me hear about Oprah real quick. About the Oprah. You went on tour with her? Oprah, I got... How did you link up with Oprah? Well, again, I was in the right place at the right time because it really wasn't my doing at all. Mm-hmm. I work for Beats by Dre a lot. I do it, I, especially when I moved here, I did a lot of their jobs. Beats by Dre actually sponsored Oprah Winfrey's tour. So really? Oprah Winfrey... Yeah. Is that through Karen Civil? Not, uh, no, 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 not through Karen. Um, but they didn't sponsor the tour. They sponsored the DJ for the tour. Okay. Oh, okay. So because I had been Beats by Dre's go-to kind of DJ, yeah. they I was top of mind when Oprah needed a DJ for her tour. So I met with Oprah. I mean, I did get this stuff on my own, but it was very much with the help of other people. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't even sit here and be like, oh, I did it on my own. No, no. Um, but... Um, yeah, so Oprah did a tour called The Life You Want Tour, and it was with her. It was a two-day um, event. It was with her, Iyanla Van Zant, um, Deepak Chopra, and Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And they would all speak to the crowd for like an hour, hour and a half, and just it was a wellness kind of thing, a wellness meditation thing. So I was tasked with playing uplifting, fun but party music to get the auditorium mm. in the right vibe, in the right frame to receive what was about to happen. So, you know, it was a very curated list where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like NWA type of stuff. It was like very, sure. like, but it, but at the same time, they didn't want it to be generic. They wanted it to be something feel good, something to stick to your bones, something, you know, because the music is so much a part of like wellness and, mm-hmm. you know, just healing yourself and stuff. So I did you know, I met with Oprah. She liked me. And so I started, I did this tour with her and it was probably four or five months. We went to eight cities. We did eight stadiums, sold out. Mm-hmm. 
And she was so gracious and lovely to me when she didn't even have to be like, who am I? I'm the DJ, you know, but she and I did a little banter on stage when she would walk out. And then after the tour, I remember I really wanted a picture with her. And so I had spoken to her people. I'm like, you know, because when you do that Oprah tour, like people pay a lot of money and there's a line of people that have paid whatever, however much money for one picture to get the picture. Well, I mean, it's, it's a part of the thing. So, um, her assistant or her people kind of finagled me in there. But when Oprah saw me, she was like, kiss. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I didn't even know she knew my name. Like, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's like, kiss. And she was like, you did such a great job. And she's like, wait, where is Jimmy? Jimmy Iveen, meanwhile. She's like, where's wow. Jimmy? Mm-hmm. So Jimmy had just left with his wife. She had her assistant go out into the hall, grab Jimmy, bring Jimmy back to take a picture with me and to introduce me wow. properly to Jimmy Iveen. She was like, I just want you to know that she has been a great ambassador for your company. Oprah didn't have to do that for me. She didn't have to do that for me. (laughs) She did not have to do that for me. You know, it was so lovely of her to do that. And you get a cosign. You get a (laughs) cosign. You get a (laughs) cosign. That's amazing. She was so she was so lovely to me. She did that. And then from there, you know, Jimmy started hiring me. So it it really is just it's just been very I've just been super fortunate in my career. Your musical knowledge, your sensitivity, right? To know what to play for rooms and, you know, just everything, even the preparation you put for all these crates, you know, it all led up to all these things. Yeah. Yo, there's so much we want. Can we do a part two? With I would you? love that. Yeah. We got to we'll do, do a part, part two. two. A current, like a current version. Yeah, a yeah. current version. <laughs> we went back, you know. It but, was necessary. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It's been so. It was so good to see you and then just talk about it and then reminisce about those times. Because we need to talk about you. No, no, we need to talk about you. <laughs> we need no, to talk no, about no. you. Okay? We need to talk about you because you you've been doing so much. Uh, you and MOS the Oscars. We didn't even touch on the Oscars and stuff. Everything. Yeah. I mean, you guys. I'm so God, happy. Yeah, part two. I'm so happy for you guys, and you got to let me know when uh when the show when you and MOS's show launch. And I everything. will. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. DJ Kiss. Yes. Kiss the Taylor. Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.